tonight to the book of Matthew chapter number 28. Some very familiar verses of scripture that I'm going to share with you there in just a minute. And then we're going to spend most of our time tonight in the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, but before we, get to, before we get into that, I want to kind of introduce the subject for tonight. And then, uh, and then I'll do some reading here in just a minute. So we've dealt with some of these fundamentals of the faith, and we're nearing the end. The Lord knows what he's doing. I was looking at it today. I got this one and one more, and then it's March gladness time. So I had no idea to lay out that way when I started. I wish I was that organized, but I'm not. But the Lord's real organized. He knows what he's doing. And I want to deal tonight with the two ordinances of the church, and that is baptism and uh, the Lord's Supper. Now, we've already dealt some with baptism, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it tonight. Mostly, I'm going to deal tonight with the Lord's Supper. And I got to thinking as I was studying on it today, I don't believe I've ever heard anybody preach on it. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of uh, communion services. But as far as just hearing somebody preach on why we do it and how it ought to be done, and the, I don't believe I've ever heard it. I've, I've been around this a long time. I don't believe I ever heard it preached on. And so the Lord allowed us to have a message, put a message together, and uh, try to preach to you tonight a little bit on the Lord's Supper. But first, let me mention baptism. And like I said, we have two church ordinances. That's baptism and the Lord's Supper. And these mountains, everybody knows there's a lot of churches that does foot washings. Uh, I got nothing against that if they won't do it. I mean, I, I really don't. I don't have a problem with it. I just don't believe it's an ordinance of the church. I don't believe it's commanded of the scriptures to do it. And so I don't, have any, I, don't, I don't have any problem with it, but I don't believe it's a church ordinance. An ordinance is a commanded religious observance. Now I want you to note this. And I, again, God knows what he's doing. Because today is Ash Wednesday. And I had no idea that this was going to work out this way. Uh, but I turned, I didn't even know it was Ash Wednesday, and I turned on the news. And there was one of them news anchors with that smudge on her forehead. And I'm on the treadmill running at the gym thinking, what has she got on her forehead? And then it hit me, oh, today's Ash Wednesday. And you know them Catholics, they go smudge at them ashes on their forehead and think that does something for them. That's a sacrament. The, uh, the Catholic Church has sacraments. We have uh, what we would call ordinances. Uh, a sacrament implies that there's some sort of divine grace that is imparted when that priest takes them ashes and smudges it on the forehead. There's some sort of a divine grace that is imparted to that person. But we know tonight that the Bible said in Ephesians 2, by, for by grace you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, a few weeks ago, Brother Kevin, he ain't here tonight, but he asked me what is a good book on Catholicism to debunk Catholicism. And I said, I don't know. Let me think on it. Well, I've thought a lot on that question. And I'll tell you the very best book to debunk Catholicism, and that's the King James Bible. And I, I, I tell you, it debunks it almost on every page. Uh, but uh, it's not a sacrament, it's an ordinance. And it's an ordinance that is performed only by the local church. Uh, let me say this. Uh, these crusades, and everything, they ain't got no business baptizing people. 
Uh, you see these big crusades and they have a lot of people get saved and then they get them a big old wash tub out and go to baptizing. Really, they, they have no business baptizing anybody. Nobody has any business baptizing except a local New Testament church. You say, well, what about down at the prison or what about out in the, what about out in the sea? On the, you know, these aircraft carriers, people get saved out there on an aircraft carrier. I'll say it again and I'll stand by what I say. Nobody has any business baptizing anybody except a local church. That's the way God laid it out. If a man gets saved in one of them places, he ought to come back to a local church and be baptized. Uh, now, look what the Bible said in Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 19. The Bible said, go ye therefore teach all nations, watch this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so it is that baptism is not necessary for salvation, but it's an outward showing of what has happened to you on the inside, and it is an ordinance of the church, and it's done by full immersion. Now that's all I'm going to say about it, because I covered a lot on baptism last week uh, in that message, and I don't want to belabor the point. Obviously, we're Baptists. We believe in baptizing. Amen. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. This is where I'm going to spend most of my time. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Now, those of you that know your Bible, probably wondering why we're not going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. We'll get there. But uh, our thought tonight on the Lord's Supper, and I believe it's an exciting thought, is going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And uh, look at what the Bible said there in verse number 16. It said, the cup of blessings which we bless is not the communion, is this not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So I want to spend a little while tonight preaching, if I may, on the communion or the Lord's Supper, might be referred to as the Lord's Table. The Catholics would call it the Eucharist. Uh, you'll hear that, that term sometimes, the Eucharist. That means the truth. But again, uh, I don't like that term. I like the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, or communion. Amen. When we gather, and I'm going to be honest with you tonight, the Lord convicted my heart about this today. Uh, we do it once a year. It's coming up. We'll do it on uh, on Easter uh, morning during the sunrise service, we lay a table out here and uh, we have a good time of communion around here. On, but I tell you, the Lord convicted my heart today. We need to do it more than one time a year. We ought to do it two or three times a year. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to do it more this coming year uh, because it is an ordinance of the church that we ought to observe. Now, I don't think it ought to be tacked on at the end of every service like some churches do. But I do believe y'all to, I believe that a few times a year that a church probably should do this and should reckon. Now, the Bible doesn't lay out how often to do it, uh, but it is biblical. Now, let's think about the meaning in the supper, the meaning in the supper. The Lord's Supper speaks to us in three different ways. Watch this. Number one, it is communion with the Lord. Now, a lot of times, how many times have you... Uh, taking the Lord's Supper, and they pass around the crackers, and they pass around the juice. And I remember when I was a kid, I just wouldn't drink that juice to eat them crackers. And uh, you don't really think about anything about it. But it's a worship service. That's what it is. And I think it's helped us all to 
uh, the way we do it with the table, I think that helps for you to settle down and realize, hey, this is a worship service. It's the, uh, it's, it's the keynote of this thing. And it's a time, uh, it's a very special time when we can come together and worship the Lord and commune with Him. See what the Bible said here in verse 16? Uh, he said, is it not uh, the communion of the, bo- of the blood of Christ? Uh, and is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Uh, can I say to you tonight, the Lord's Supper ought to be a spiritual time. Uh, it ought to be a time when we're reminded uh, and we commune with the Lord, a time of worship. Uh, I'm going to say this, everything that's done at this church uh, ought to be to commune with the Lord uh, and grow our relationship with Him. Uh, he's the reason and we're here. Hey man, I came to church because of him. I'm here tonight to commune with him. And so the communion service is a time to commune with the Lord. But then it's also a time to commune with one another. Look what that next verse says in verse 17. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. And so not only is the Lord's Supper, Brother Allen, a time to commune with the Lord and worship Him, but it's a time to sit down with our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, around a common uh, uh, table and to, and to commune with one another. It's a, it should be a time of, uh, of, of testimony and a time of worship and a time of communion. It's a time to commune with one another. And then it's a time of separation from the world. Go on down there in verse number 21 of 1 Corinthians 10 and look what it said. It said, ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Now here in just a minute, I'm going to deal with what the Bible teaches about taking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. But let me just say this right here on this point. If you're not right with God, you had not to have any business partaking of the Lord's Supper. And if you're not right with God, you ought to get right with God before you partake of it. And so it ought to be a time, just think about it, it ought to be a time when we take the Lord's Supper, when everybody's sitting around the table is right with God. See what I'm saying? Everybody said, and it, it, is, a, it is an evidence of a separation uh, that we have from the world. Now, in our day and age, separation's a dirty word. You know, the, the, the world gets more churchy and the church gets more worldly. But I'm going to tell you that separation is still expected from the Scriptures. The Bible said, Wherefore, come out from among ye, them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I believe God's people ought to be a peculiar people. I, I believe they ought to, I believe they ought to look different, act different, walk different, listen to the different things, uh, watch different things on TV, talk about different things. Uh, amen. I believe they should. Uh, and the Lord's table is a picture of that separation uh, where we can sit down and all be right with God and right with one another. And so there's the meaning of the Lord's Supper. But then there's the message of the Lord's Supper. And this right here is really where I wanted to preach. Go over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 now. Now, these are the verses that you're accustomed to seeing in dealing with the Lord's Supper. Really, the entire chapter deals with it. But look what he says, verse number 23. For I have received the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he'd supped, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament, my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Now I want to think about what is it that the, that the Lord's Supper says to us? What is it, what's its message? Now the church at Corinth had a problem. And their problem was they threw what they called love feasts. And there wasn't anything necessarily wrong with it. It was a big old time of uh, fellowship. It's kind of like what we would have as a dinner at the fellowship hall. But what it turned into was just a big old gluttonous, day-long, stuff-your-face kind of thing. And then at the end of it, they'd take the Lord's Supper. And Paul here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 is dealing with that. He's saying that's not what the Lord's Supper is. It's not a big old gluttonous feast uh, where you're just uh, uh, stuffing your face. Uh, and uh, that's not what it's about. But he enumerates here what the Lord's Supper is really about. And there's some of these things I had never thought about before. But I want to draw them for you right out of the Scripture. Number one, it's a table of remembrance. The Lord said, as oft as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So the first thing that the Lord's Supper does is it looks back toward Calvary. And we think about the blood that was shed and the body that was broken. That's the reason a lot of times when we partake of the Lord's Supper, I can't help but cry because my mind goes back as I'm partaking of that supper. It goes back to that bloody cross at Calvary when Jesus paid our sin debt. I, I, I get to thinking about that day. And so that, that table, number one, is a time of remembrance. We ought to think about what it was that God, that Christ did for us there on the old rugged cross of Calvary. It's a time of remembrance. Can I stop and say that we hadn't ought to ever get over what Jesus did at Calvary. And we hadn't ought to ever get to where we've heard enough about it. It ought to excite us every time. And if it doesn't, we ought to get in an altar and ask God to help us get back where we need to be. It ought to excite us every time. Calvary is the pinnacle, my friend. It is, it is, the, it is the thing. It's Calvary. And so the Lord's Supper is a time of remembrance. But then the Lord's Supper is a time of of obedience. It's clear from these verses that it's something that we are commanded to do. It's our obligation. And so when we sit down at the Lord's Supper, Jesus gave a command 2,000 years ago to do it, and we're still sitting down and doing it today. And what we're doing is we're saluting the captain and we're saying, yes, sir, uh, we'll be faithful to you come, sir. Uh, we'll do what you've called us to do. Uh, we'll live like you've called us to live. Uh, we don't care what the world says. We don't care how the world has trashed things. Uh, we're going to stay true to what you've said. That's what we're doing every time uh, that we sit down at the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're being obedient to what the Lord said. It's an obedience to a direct command. Now watch this right here. And I would never thought about it until today. It's a table of expectation. Look what it says there in verse number 26. 
It says, for as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what? You do show the Lord's death. Till when? Till he come. The Lord's supper is eaten. Not, I got to thinking about it this way. It's kind of like, so the first Lord's supper was taken on Passover, right? They were gathered together for the Passover. Now, you know what Passover is. They eat those bitter herbs. And you'll recall in the book of Exodus how they eat that standing up. And they still do that to this day on Passover They eat those bitter herbs standing up because the ideal is they have to be ready to make their flight at a moment's notice. Uh, You know, in the the Exodus, they had to make their flight at a moment's notice. So the Jews still eat that standing up, signifying that they're ready to make their flight at a moment's notice. Well, the Lord's table speaks of a flight too. Uh, Amen. Uh, And it speaks of the rapture of the church. Uh, And the Lord said, do this uh, till I come. Uh, Hey, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Till I come. Can I say there's coming a day where there'll be no more Lord's Supper? It'll be replaced with a marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. And just like we gather around this this table down here and we partake of the Lord's Supper one of these days, all the blood washed saints are going to gather around the table and it's going to be stretched out in the celestial city and the Lord Himself is going to gird Himself and come and serve us there and the Lord's Supper speaks of that. It speaks of a day when we'll all gather together and there'll be no more empty seats and there'll be no more troubles and we'll all gather together and partake together of the Lord's Supper. The marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb. And so it's a table of expectations. But let me say this to you tonight. It's a table of examination. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 27. The Bible said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthy, unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Every time the Lord's table set out, and I'm going to be honest with you, I just want to be perfectly honest. I, you, know, you know me, I'm honest to a fault. There's a reason that for 26 years I've done that, done, done that on Easter Sunday morning. And the reason is it scares me. Because we got a lot of people that, that cruise in here on Sunday morning and they ain't right with God. And I get worried that they'll partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily and then I'll end up having pretty much funerals. I, I'm honest. I figure the crowd that shows up for sunrise service is probably about as straight-laced the crowds we're going to have all year. You know. For you to be here when the sun comes up, you're probably a pretty regular, dedicated church member. And so I figure that's the best chance we've got of not having people to partake of it unworthily. But, but boy, the Lord corrected me on that today. Because really what it is, is it's a time where we should use it as an, as an exhortation for people to examine themselves. See what I'm saying? I shouldn't be limiting it to a time where I think everybody that's here is right. But instead, I should have it and then encourage them to examine themselves before they partake of it. And it might be that somebody in examining themselves would say, I can't partake of the Lord's Supper. And that would be convicting in their heart, you see, and cause them to want to get right with God. And I, I never had thought about that 
about me doing a disservice to people until today. I thought I was doing them a favor by not allowing them to partake of the Lord's Supper. I thought I was doing them a favor. But really, I've probably done a disservice because it is a time that we should examine ourselves. Now, there's certain spiritual things, folks, that you just don't mess around with. And this one up, uh, Paul said uh, that, and, and he, he talks about it being a table of warning there in verse number 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. And watch this, and many sleep, that means they're dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And I'm telling you, and this speaks of the uh, sin unto death. And I'm a believer in that. I'm a, belie- I'm a believer that a man goes so far and God will take him out of this world. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches that he will uh, destroy the body to save the soul. A man will go so far and before he crosses the line, God will take him out of this world. And apparently that had happened here at the church of Corinth. That had happened. And I remember uh, I had, uh, it's not really what I'm preaching on, but here we go. I had uh, Brother Jeremy Simpson had his daddy on a, on a, uh, on a podcast. And uh, he talked to us about uh, Percy Ray. And uh, he, had, he had Percy Ray in a, in a meeting. And uh, there was some women that bucked up on him in a man or two. I forget now. You'd have to go back and watch that podcast. It's still on YouTube. But anyway, Percy Ray told him, said, if you don't get right with God, God's going to kill you dead. And he said, I'm telling you, he said, I dug seven holes before summertime come, and we buried each one of them people. And I'm telling you, there's certain things in life that you just don't mess around with. Just out of respect, because God will only allow you to go. If you're his, now if you're lost, that's, he ain't going to whoop somebody. But if you're his, God will only let you go so far. And right here is one of those areas. But look at the exhortation. It says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's a mouthful. Now I'm preaching on the Lord's Supper, but that goes for all of life. You say, well, old so-and-so just looked down their nose at me and they're judging me. Here's what the Bible said. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. You see, the problem is we don't spend enough time looking at that man in the mirror and judging ourselves, judging ourselves. I was reading in a book this week, and they were talking about a really high-end New York department store, and the man had went in there, and he was looking for a a particular size of pant, and he couldn't find the employee, and so he decided he'd go back in the back and see if he could find somebody Went back in the back and he didn't find anybody, but as he's walking back out, he notices there's a big full-length mirror on the door that leads out of the employee area and into the end of the store. And over the mirror, it said, take a good look. This is what the customer sees. And said it was uh, the ideal was for them to examine themselves and make sure that they were well put together before they went out on the floor. 
because they were in the business of selling clothes, you don't want to look like a slob when you're selling clothes. Well, you and I, if you will, are in the business of telling others about Christ. It's not a lot different than a sales business. And it said here, if you judge yourselves, you'd not be judged. And so it's all good every now and again to look in a spiritual mirror and see how we're living, particularly before we partake of the Lord's Supper. It is very important that you consider yourself because the Bible says very clearly right here that there are people that are sick and people that are dead because they, 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 they fail to, they, are, they do take of it unworthily. Now let me give you this last thing and I'm done. There's the motive of the Lord's table. You say, motive, preacher? Yeah, there's a couple things. Let me, let me, let's think about this together. We've already talked about how we can all sit down together at the table. But right here's really what we ought to think about. We ought to think about the empty seats and those who can't sit down. Because they never have been saved. We've sat down with them at tables to eat physical meals, dinner tables, supper tables. But they can't sit at the Lord's table because they're not a part of the Lord's family. Every time we sit down at the table to take of the Lord's Supper, we ought to think about who it is that's not able to sit there and how it is our job to reach them. That's our job. And we ought to be reminded of that every single time that we sit down at the Lord's table is that there's people that cannot sit at that table. And those people, those people need to hear the good news of the gospel. You know where the power is? It's in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd shared a, I'd shared a thing that a preacher had wrote about that commercial that came on during the Super Bowl. I didn't see it. I missed it. I was talking. And Rachel said, y'all talked, or Reagan said, y'all talked right through a, a commercial about foot washing. I said, what? She said, yeah, there's a commercial that's on about foot washing. Y'all missed it. I said, well, I don't know what that was, but then I got looking at it the next day. And it's that he gets us mess. So I got interested in that. I thought, well, what is the deal on this? I don't want to just right out the gate say this is wrong. You know, maybe they're getting people to think about Jesus. That'd be a good thing. Maybe they're getting people to think about serving others. That'd be a good thing. So I went over there to the website. I went over there and you go look at yourself. And they got about 15, 20 different things you can click on down through there. About how Jesus loves weird people and all kinds of, I mean, seriously, that's what one of them is. Jesus loves weird people. And he does. Thank the Lord. But you know what's not on there? No plan of salvation. Not a single mention of the death, burial, and resurrection. I looked through all the articles. Not one mention of the death, burial, and resurrection, Lord. Not, not zero gospel. Zero. They spent a million dollars on a Super Bowl ad that directs people to a website and then don't even tell them how to get saved. You see a pro- hey, you see a problem with that? What this world needs is not to feel better about their sin. What this world needs is to be reproved and convicted of their sin through the person of the Holy Spirit 
and then they need the gospel, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our job to deliver it so that more people can sit at the Lord's table. Amen. And that's what the Lord's table is all about. There's a lot more to it than I'd ever thought about, really. A lot more to it than I'd ever thought about. So, we'll have a... uh, We'll have our regular communion like we always do on Easter Sunday morning at, uh, for our, uh, our sunrise service. But then we're probably going to have two or three more this year. We'll just stagger them around different times, have some at night, have some during Sunday morning, whatever. Stagger them around different times because I believe it's something we need to do. Maybe do a little more. Of. Like I said, the Bible doesn't command how, how often you do it. But it does say as oft as you do it, which leads me to think oft. So, and uh, I hope this has been a, been a blessing to you. So there's two, there's two ordinances. That's baptism and the Lord's Supper. And those are the two things the church ought to be doing until Jesus comes. Amen. I don't believe it's going to be long, do you? I don't believe it'll be long. And I'm excited. I was praying this tonight. I said, even so, come Lord Jesus. Be all right with me if you came before I got home. Be all right. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach tonight. We pray, God, that uh, what we've said done here tonight, Lord, would be a, a help to those who have listened. God, I pray that you'd put these, uh, these uh, concepts and these truths in our heart that we might uh, be able to serve you better. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Anybody got anything else? All right.